This is the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and each week I get the chance to go on Anthony Knockreiner's show on 600 KGEZ in Kalispell, Montana, and talk about the past Seahawks game as well as the upcoming game, answer a few questions, and just generally talk Seahawks. So I will be bringing those interviews to you throughout the season. So here it is, my interview with Anthony talking about the Broncos game and looking ahead to the Seahawks against the Vikings. Welcome back to the Knock On Sports and joining me via Skype all the way from Orlando, Florida. Who would have thought that a Seahawks fan would all be down all be all the way down there? My good friend Brandon Schultz of the Field Goals podcast as well as the Seahawkers podcast. Brandon, great to have you on the show. I appreciate you taking some time out of uh, sunny weather in Orlando. Yeah, all the way from your neck of the woods, uh, you know, not not quite Tampa, but uh, you know, here in Orlando, and yeah, with the game coming up against Minnesota, we just played the Broncos. It it's a very unlikely place for a Seahawks fan, and it turns out there aren't there aren't many very many of them here. Well, I was going to say, have you run into like any of the podcasters from like the NFC West or the, even the AFC West? Any of those <laughs> any of those individuals there in Orlando? Give them a big thumbs down. No, the the closest I think I found was a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So. Okay. Yeah, not not a lot of, uh, and then you know, there's our bartender was a Jacksonville fan, which I thought was, I found one. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I know a handful of them. They're there, you yeah. know. They're usually in the pool, about half drunk after a game or about halfway through the game. <laughs> That's probably the appeal of being a bartender and being a Jacksonville fan, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Brandon, let's let's take a look back at week one in the preseason. Obviously, Russell Wilson doesn't start. A lot of the starters didn't really start either. Um, but what was your biggest takeaway from that week one win over Denver? The biggest takeaway, especially when you look back to the Seahawks team of 2018 and going 0-4 throughout the preseason, here we are week one of the preseason and the Seahawks get off to a week one preseason win. And I attribute that to the depth of the team. And that wasn't something that the Seahawks had last year. They really didn't have any solid depth when you went down to second string and third string players. And when you're Pete Carroll and you're preaching competition year after year, it's nice to see the team kind of restocked with depth. Because I like to see it when the team has to make tough decisions come the end of the preseason of, you know, can, are we going to keep this guy? Or are we going to keep this guy? And, and we've seen players who have gone on to have, you know, pretty decent success on other teams. And I, th- that's good to see because you know that your team is deep enough and even can make some trades maybe at the end of the season. Now, you know, especially with that cut from 90 to 53, right at the end of the preseason, maybe you can start to pick up sixth and seventh round picks that they've used to to trade for other guys that, and they've kind of depleted those upcoming picks for 2020. So maybe they can fill in behind that. And that's, that's what I, my main takeaway was from week one. One of the other things that I thought was really good, because obviously you've got the franchise and Russell Wilson, uh, he hasn't missed too many games. He has been beat up. He's played through injury though, but at the same time, having at least some sale uh, fail safe in the backup quarterback, Paxton Lynch looked really impressive. Uh, looked like, okay, you know, this guy maybe isn't a total bust yet. Maybe there's still some talent, uh, for this quarterback. That was, that was fun to see. And I'm, I'm I'm still I'm not getting my hopes up quite yet because I went to that game thinking that if Paxton Lynch can just show us something 
as the third string quarterback going up against his former team, that should be enough motivation for a guy like Paxton Lynch to go out and have a good game. You know, a guy who is going into what his fourth year in the NFL, he didn't really play at all last season, but still he's, he's had that experience in the league and he should be able to at least compete against third, fourth string guys late in the game. And, you know, you saw some effort from him when he was going in for the, the running in the touchdown. Uh, and so that was good to see from Paxton. And now with Geno Smith, you know, maybe out against the game against the Vikings. Now maybe I can, I can give a, a good, if he can go out and do it again, I'll feel a lot better. Well, here's the thing, Brandon, and the main question, because I, I feel like it's a good problem to have if you're the Seahawks. And again, this is going to regard on a lot of ifs. And uh, if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt every time he jumped, is how my dad would usually put it to me at this point. Uh, but if Paxton Lynch does have a good rest of the preseason, a pretty impressive rest of the preseason, do the Seahawks hold on to him, or do you try and maybe move him and see if you can't get some draft capital for him, considering the fact teams, there's going to be somebody that's going to need a quarterback and need to influx some talent? I think if he shows that he can perform as the backup, they they'll pick him over Geno Smith. And I think that because of his mobility, because of his deep passing ability, that those two things I think would give him an edge over a veteran like Geno Smith to where you could say, okay, maybe here's a more long-term option as your backup quarterback, you know, a guy who can grow within the system and, and still is relatively young. You know, it seems like they've either gone with the really, really young guys or they've gone with the veterans like Austin Davis, you know, on their way out of the league. And I, I think they would just tend to lean young if we, we see more of what we saw in week one at a Paxton Lynch. Otherwise, I do think it's going to be Geno Smith as the backup. He just seems like the safe option for the Seahawks. And because they've gone with, with guys like Austin Davis in the past, I could see him just being you know the, the guy that is, is the most safe pick. And that's who they're going to stick with if, uh, if Paxton, you know, if we don't see much improvement from him over these next couple of weeks. My featured guest is Brandon Schultz from the Seahawks podcast and the Field Goals podcast as we are talking about the week one win over the Broncos, getting ready for week number two. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit as well. But, uh, Brandon, another aspect I want to get your take on after week one, Xavier Turner led the Seahawks in yards with 42 care, or 42 yards on 11 carries. Uh, running back depth, what do you think about that? As we always know, you know, the, the way the Seahawks use their running backs, you always need to have at least another couple of guys waiting in the wings. Well, running back depth was probably my biggest critique from the week one because this is a team where you have CJ Proceis going into what is most likely his last year with the team. You have the draft pick in the sixth round with Travis Homer, who uh, a lot of there was a lot of promise around. And when Xavier Turner came into the game, I it was one of those double takes of I you have moments as a Seahawks fan, especially when you're you're in it to the level of I I am studying the the depth charts and and all the transactions that go on. And I had no idea that this guy was on the team. And apparently Xavier Turner came to the team the night before the game and because of the injury to Bo Scarborough, the former Alabama back, that that's the reason why Turner was able to get so much playtime in against the Broncos. And it's kind of a fun story. I don't expect him to to be around too much, but I want to see guys like JD McKissick and CJ Proceis competing for that third running back spot 
and and maybe Travis, you can put Travis Homer in there too, because I I I know that the team has it figured out with Rashad Penny and with Chris Carson, and it's just trying to slot in guys behind them. What do you think about the wide receiving core? Is obviously DK Metcalf the big talk. Uh, obviously, we know Tyler Lockett's there, but that's kind of the question: is who's going to step up, be that second, third, and fourth wide receiver? What do you think about the wide receivers? Well, it was interesting because Jerron Brown was a guy who wasn't playing in that game and despite being healthy. So it almost, you know, when you look at the players who sat out uh, because they're locked in number one starters like Russell Wilson, like Tyler Lockett, like Chris Carson and you know, some of the offensive linemen, I like Dwayne Brown. I I didn't expect Jerron Brown to be in that category. So I'm thinking Jerron Brown, Tyler Lockett are the one and two. And then you have DK Metcalf. And I think David Moore with his special teams ability, I think you have four wide receivers and then it's kind of a question mark beyond those four. And whether you have Gary Jennings, the fourth round pick, John Ursua had a big catch in the game, you know, 20 yard catch and haven't seen a whole lot from Jennings yet. So it's, it's going to be interesting. And then Jazz Ferguson, who's kind of been the highlight of whether it's training camp, whether it's their their practice game, uh, going into that game against the Broncos. We did see Jazz Ferguson with a catch in, a couple catches in the game. So it's he's kind of feeling like, you know, there's another big target at 6'5 with Ferguson. You know, maybe they they lean that direction in terms of and and who knows, maybe they go six or even seven deep at wide receiver because of they may see something in in some of those guys that they don't want to allow them to go to other teams. We're talking Seahawks football as we are getting ready for the NFL regular season. First game of the regular season is September 5th. Seahawks open up with the Cincinnati Bengals uh, in week one of the regular season. Joining me right now is Brandon Schultz from the Field Goals podcast as we've been talking about the week one win over the Broncos as uh, they grabbed a 22-14. Uh, Brandon, let me get your thoughts on the secondary. Uh, Deshaun Shedd, uh, he had a really good game. It seemed like obviously having a safety really helps, but uh, what do you think about his play? I'm he's one of the guys that I was excited to see the Seahawks pick back up. And I was disappointed when they allowed him to go to free agency after the after last season. You know, he played last year with the Detroit Lions and he really was a standout player for the Seahawks going back to 2016 because he was the starting cornerback opposite Richard Sherman. Now he got an ACL injury in the playoffs against Atlanta. And so it really took him all of that 2017 season to recover. He only got a couple games in and Pete Carroll, I think it was because from what Pete saw from him, it didn't seem like he was already, it didn't seem like he was quite back yet. And so that's what allowed the team to go ahead and let him go in free agency. He got a nice, you know, one year payday from the lions and now that he's back and Pete Carroll sounds like he's back to going full speed and it allows them to have a versatile veteran, a guy that can play, he can play corner, he can play safety. And it's the interesting thing was, is that he did play so much in the preseason game and we got to see how, you know, with maybe a limited pass rush from the defensive line, because I know as Seahawks fans, we're, we're or looking at the defensive line and wondering where the pass rush is going to come from. We got to see maybe a little bit of a preview with Deshaun Shedd coming off the edge, maybe see a few more cornerback blitzes this year coming up if if they can't get pressure with their front four. And it, so it was nice to see Shedd with that big play. It feels like he's back. And if nothing else, 
it seems like Pete Carroll is never afraid to cut a veteran player who's kind of right on the edge. And Shed could be that guy, but he could also, if there's an injury to the secondary, that could be you know, the, the easy name to say, yeah, that's, that's going to be the guy that can pretty much play every position. Brandon, now looking ahead to this Viking game, is that the biggest question mark going into week two? Is that pass rush? Because we saw some guys get sacked, but it wasn't from the defensive line. So is that the biggest mm-hmm. question mark going in? It's probably the biggest question mark for me. I know, you know, talking to Adam on the Seahawkers podcast, he he's not as concerned about the defensive line because it always seems like Seattle's able to manufacture a pass rush, you know, whether it is run, rushing with the corners or they find some young guys and it's just, you know, you get the the sacks based on the defensive scheme and you got veteran linebackers like Michael Kendricks and Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright and so you have those guys who can apply pressure too. And for me, it's it's definitely the defensive line. For Adam, he points to the secondary and the fact that, you know, that was just such a standout part of the team in previous seasons. Earl Thomas is gone now. And while they, they do still have that same coverage ability, it's the turnovers where the big question mark is. You, you had Shaquille Griffin with only two interceptions last year. I don't even know if Trey Flowers had an interception at all in his rookie season. I think Bradley McDougal led the team in interceptions with three, which is what Earl Thomas had in just four games with the team last year. So it, I think getting turnovers and turnovers being a part of the secondary, especially that could end up being the the bigger question for the team. Brandon, my final question for you, what other aspects of the Seahawks, what other storylines are you looking forward to either get answered or solidified after this week too? Yeah. Well, especially with this game against the Vikings, I am really interested when looking at the first team, because you got Stefan Diggs and you have Adam Thielen on the other side, Kirk cousin, throwing the ball to him. And you know, how does, how is Trey flowers looking going into his second season? Is Shaquille Griffin able to bounce back? going into his third season now and kind of he didn't have a great season last year. It wasn't, it wasn't terrible, but going into his second season, you expected more from him based on how he, what he showed the team and and fans in that, that first year with him at corner. And so I think this will be a really good test early on. You know, if you're tuning into the game early on to see how, uh, how the Vikings are attacking the corners or if they have pretty good coverage from those two spots. My feature guest, Brandon Schultz from the Field Goals podcast as well as the Seahawkers podcast. Brandon, if they want to follow you, how can they do it? Yeah, check us out, seahawkerspodcast.com. Also doing uh, shows now at fieldgoals.com. And so you can go there and pretty much at the bottom of every page at fieldgoals.com, you can find a player and subscribe to the show there. Brandon, always a pleasure to have you on the show, my man. Can't wait till you're back up here and hear more about uh, that podcast convention that you're there for down in Orlando, my friend. Yeah, let's let's chat in studio next week, Anthony. 